0: Now, if you've been with us on Wednesday nights, um, you you know that that at this point in time, there's been a series of what are called burdens. They're also called oracles, possibly, in your translation. But they're basically... God um, is, through Isaiah, prophesying um, punishments and and even corrections like we're going to see tonight against various nations. But all these nations were at one time against... God's people. Now, as I, as I state again, and this is a way to understand it, when you were against the Jews, it's not the Jews in particular that God was, was fussy about, right? It's the fact that God had chosen the Jews to bring forth his message and his Messiah. And Satan would use people around to specifically attack the Jews. So since God chose the Jews to bring forth the message and the Messiah of his salvation, the world attacks the Jews. And that's why they were favored. God could have chosen any group of people, but he chose the Jews. And any any of our heritage would be in trouble (laughs) in a sense of Satan coming after us because God would have chosen your group, right? But, But God had promised Abraham, he says, through you, what? all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And so it was God's plan, God's plan to bring forth the Jews to be a witnessing tool and to also bring forth the Messiah. So they were his message and his Messiah. So those nations that attacked them were attacking God directly. And that's what it's about. It's not that God is a racist just for the Jews, right? He, he, He is very particular about them because we are saved, how? Because God used the Jews to bring forth the message and the Messiah, right? And that is why he is so particular about them. And so today we're looking at uh, Egypt, and they were stricken and healed. And so God has a special place for Egypt, not just for uh, destruction. And we know various times Egypt has helped Israel throughout time. And even now, they were the first nation in the Middle East to have a peace treaty with Israel, which even stands today. And so um, God does have a place in his heart, but God isn't above correcting those that are uh, doing wrong things. <laughs> and so we see that he does this. And, and this is what Isaiah is talking about in chapter 19. And so it says in chapter 19, verse 1, the burden against Egypt. Behold, the Lord rides on a swift cloud and will come into Egypt the idols of Egypt will totter at its presence, and the heart of Egypt will melt in its midst. I will set Egyptians against Egyptians, and everyone will fight against his brother, and everyone against his neighbor, city against city, and kingdom against kingdom. So, Egypt in Isaiah's day, and Isaiah's around 700 years uh, BC, was. Was ruled by an Ethiopian monarchy. It was much larger than what we know as, as uh, Egypt today. It covered a, a large area, right? And and so they they had this this monarchy over them, right? And he says, kingdom will war against kingdom. And so we know historically that eventually this unified kingdom was broken up into 42 different provinces, and they were called gnomes, and they would fight each other. And so they went from unity to disunity, and they would fight with one another. So that prophecy came true. Now we're going to see prophecies that haven't come true yet. But as as, uh, Isaiah prophesies, he's just prophesying the oracles of God. This is coming through him and being written down uh, with his hand. Now, if you're living right then, you're thinking, wow, that's going to happen. It doesn't seem like it's going to happen because they're pretty unified now. 200 years later, you're going to go, oh, they broke up. We saw how this happened, but not all of it has happened yet. And even in our time, we can look back and go, oh, my gosh, many of these have literally been fulfilled, but not all of them yet, right? And so different times in history, you're going to see different things. Um, Verse 3 goes on. It says, the spirit of Egypt will fail in its midst. I will destroy their counsel. And they will consult idols and the charmers, the mediums, and the sorcerers. Now, they will fail in its midst. And what what is saying here is they're saying they're going to lose heart. They were extremely powerful, and then they weren't. Okay, and that's what happened in Egypt. And they were trusting in charmers. They're going to not trust in God. Remember, they've been helping the Jews. Obviously, they knew about God but they didn't trust in God. And what did they do? Well, they reached out to something. Know that every culture throughout all of history has always reached out to something to worship. It means we're made to worship something. And if we're not reaching out to God, we're reaching out to something. People may, might deny this, but something gets them going and they spend their money on something outside of themselves and they're reaching for something outside of themselves. Everybody does it. But he says, you're gonna, you're gonna reach out to charmers, you're going to reach out to those who make claim who can foretell the future. So even in all their strength, once they start getting weak, they start freaking out. And it's like today, uh, if, if something goes bad in your life and you don't trust in God, you might look in the newspaper or look on a website and try to find what your horoscope is. Or you might pay money to go to a palm reader or a tarot card reader. And that's the idea behind this. You're listening to people that, that are, are seeking spiritual answers, but you're not gonna get the proper answers there. You see, throughout history in God's economy, seeking after knowledge from the beyond has always been wrong. In Deuteronomy 18.10, it says, there shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire or one who practices witchcraft or a soothsayer or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer, or one who conjures up spells, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out before you. Don't seek those places of wisdom that really have no wisdom. You know, don't go to those Wiccans. That are, that are trying to worship the earth and the spirit of the things within the earth and the power of the earth and the crystals and all these things. Also, don't go to seances. Don't try to drum up the spirits of the dead in order to get information from them. Don't go to someone who casts spells on others in various ways to try to subvert the power and the glory of God. He is above all these things. He created all of us to have fellowship with him. And he's jealous when you worship something else for everybody. He desires to be in fellowship with you, for you to be in the right place. And so he's saying they're going to fail. But we're going to see later on in this chapter, it says, and the Lord will strike Egypt. He will strike and heal it. And they will return to the Lord. And he will be entreated by them and heal them. And so there's problems in Egypt that need to be taken care of, and one of their problems had to do with bad counsel. They're listening to the wrong people. They're trying to seek out spirits. And God actually appreciates the fact that they, at times, have been radical blessings to the Israelites. And I want you to think about it. You know, we always think of what happened in Egypt with Pharaoh and Moses and all that as a bad thing. But I want you to think about, they were 70 people on the verge of starvation when they came down as a small tribe. And they let let themselves plant themselves in the land of Goshen to be herders and and to be those that raise some crops. And this area of Goshen is on the river Nile, uh, the delta of the Nile River. It's very fertile, or certainly was back then when they used to allow flooding. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And, and, and this group of 70 thrived, and they became a, a, a country or a nation of two million people during that time that they were there. They were only in slavery after two and a half, or, uh, 250 years, and then they went into slavery. Why? God had blessed them so much the, the Egyptians were freaking out, going, oh, no, these people are going to overtake us, right? And the, and the blessing of why God used them as the incubator was they weren't a culture that would intermarry with their slaves like other cultures. The Canaanites or those that, land, that, that were in the land of, uh, that they would in, inhabit or push everybody out, they would do this. They would meddle with their religion. They would meddle and uh, in, in intermarry with them without converting you know, it, it wasn't about the race. Ultimately, it was about the conversion to Judaism. And they were intermarried with them, and it would cause stumbling in their lives, right? We're not to be unequally yoked. It has nothing to do with race. It has everything to do with faith. And that is consistent throughout the scriptures, okay? And so people have been wrong when they've interpreted it any other way, right? And, and so someone could convert to become a Jew, and that's when uh, you're able... To marry in and the egyptians didn't do that and so they were able to grow and god used them and and the thing is god doesn't let a good work go on you know he, he notices every good thing that people do right we always see him as the judge of bad things but he also will bless this nation because of the good things that they did as well and we're going to see how that happens a little bit later on right So it says, and the Egyptians, I will give into the hand of a cruel monster. A fierce king will rule over them, says the Lord, the Lord of hosts. And so there were several evil kings. One particular evil king uh, came in a little bit uh, after Isaiah, and his name was Ashhardon of Assyria, and he had conquered the people and ruled over them with an iron fist. It goes on in verse 5, it says, the waters will fail from the sea. And the river will be wasted and dried up. The rivers will turn foul. The brooks of defense will be emptied and dried up. The reeds and rushes will wither. The papyrus reeds by the river, by the mouth of the river, and everything sown by the river will wither and be driven away and be no more. And the fishermen will also mourn, and those will lament who cast hooks into the river. And they will languish who spread nets on the water. Moreover, those who work in fine flax and those who weep fine fabric will be ashamed. Now, here's the issue. Everything having to do with Egypt's prosperity has to do with the Nile River. And what makes good growing season? Well, good growing season, or... Good growth is sunshine and fertile soil, right? Well, most of this is sand, right? But what happened every year was the flooding of the Nile. And so as the Nile would flood, there would be miles of water that's full of topsoil that has been brought down from Central Africa into the Nile area. And then when the, when the hot season would come, you have all this water that they could irrigate, and then they have this fertile soil every year, year after year after year. And what makes for uh, good um, material for making fabric? Well, certain plants make good fabric. And so what about the fishermen? Well, the fishermen... have a certain type of fish that thrives. Some of it is brackish, but then the brackish gets pushed out by the flood, and then it pushes nutrients out into the Mediterranean, which attracts fish, which then follow up the Nile Delta. As the the river goes down, they follow it up, and the fishermen just have this grand time uh, fishing for fish that they know is going to be there every single year. And so whatever would happen, and we don't know historically what happened, but we do know that even in, in many of your lifetime, you, you heard about the Aswan Dam. I, I remember being in, in high school when the Aswan Dam, they, they would talk about it and the environmental catastrophe that it was because the floods would no longer happen. And this actually did happen specifically during that time. Is that the specific fulfillment? I don't know, it could have happened before. Right, you can get doctorate degrees in Egyptian history, and then argue with another guy with a doctorate degree in Egyptian history because they don't know specifically what happened. Was there three kingdoms? Was there two? When did the Jews fill in? Where, you know, and then others say the Jews weren't there. Blah blah blah, and it just go on and on, right? So, but anyways, but we do know historically, even in recent history, this this occurred. Right, 500 miles north of Cairo, they uh, built this. Um, this dam, and it just caused all kinds of problems. So when, the, when, it, when it dries up, when it stops running, or at least running like it once did, verse 10, its fountains will be broken, and all who make wages will be troubled of soul. And so all their industries are hurting because of it. Verse 11, surely the princes of Zone are fools. Pharaoh's wise counselors give foolish counsel. How do you say to Pharaoh, I am the son of the wise,